So I, I pulled the jacket on stage and pretended I was waxing my fanny with it. You know, I've got mink fur. I'm like, look at my minky. That was it. On the podcast this week is the award-winning controversial comedian who just says it how it is. It's the man who gets everyone talking. It's Russell Kane. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Russell Kane, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What's going on? Not much, apart from I have been researching you on the internet, and I'll be honest, you were a fun person to search because you've said a lot on stage. It feels like there's a lot about you on the internet. So, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. It's a diverse portfolio, also known as Master of None. (laughs) Apart from stand-up, I mastered that. That is the easiest part of my life. I know other stand-ups will hate me for saying this, but it's the easiest part of my day once I've got that microphone. That's the easy bit. Well, I suppose you say that because you've been doing comedy for a while now. I mean, since 2004, is that right? Well, that's when you won well, the new Act of I mean, the Year I, award, wasn't it? So I guess you probably started when you, before then. It depends. For a living from 2006, I, right. did, I did flirt and do a few amateur gigs, but I was very much living my full normal life, working a day job and, and up until 2006. So although I'd like to stretch my origin story further back, it was really what's just called open spots and amateurs. And I did enter that competition. But if I'm being completely honest, I didn't start to go for it till the end of 2006, beginning of 2007. So had you always wanted to pursue comedy? Was it like you were you in school Never. like, right, I want to do it? Never. No. Never. This is what middle class people need to understand. When you grow up on a council estate, it was just a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, yeah? Uh, (laughs) You don't have like theatrical uh, possibilities or options presented to you as a child. You're naturally funny. Maybe you should funnel that into theatre or Latin or painting. All you want to do is get through school without getting beaten up, lose your virginity as quickly as possible, and just get out and start earning money so you can just yeah. get off your head at the weekend. That's it. There is no other goals. That was my, that's it. My, I had a brilliant mum, a brilliant dad, but just hardworking, working class parents who didn't know. Like, I, I can remember, I'll never forget it, we're still living in the flat, which makes me about five. We started in a, my first home's mother and baby shelter, second home council flat. I can remember my mum decorating the walls and I asked her what university was and she didn't know. She had to ask her friend what it was. She'd never heard of it because my mum was a kid when she had me. Yeah. So she didn't, she didn't know what it was, how, how it was different from A-levels and college. It had never been explained to her. So the idea that I would have gone, oh, just be exposed to all this culture in stand-ups. Comedy, 
till I was literally 25. And because remember, people forget how recent Live at the Apollo was. Live mm -hmm. at the Apollo didn't start on TV till 2004 or something. That was the first time alternative comedy had been properly put on telly. I know there was like the trendy shit late night on Channel 4 in the 90s and 80s, but I would have been too young to find that. But first time it was mainstream BBC One, you can't ignore it, was Jack D, Live at the Apollo. I was fucking 20, 20 odd by then. To me, stand up was Jim Davison, Bernard Manning, you know, mm. um, old school shit, like carry on films. Oh, that's, what's that got to do with me? I'm dancing to jungle music in house, I'm left wing, all my friends are brown and gay. You know, this was, this was not my life. Yeah. So it was what it took all the way through the miracle of me getting to university, which is a whole other story, till I was in a posh office doing advertising for a living where everyone kept saying, you're so funny, like we can't breathe when you're out, you need to try stand up. That's when I started Googling, well, what, what do they mean? That was it. A Google search in my mid twenties, another two years to get up the guts and then bang, late developer, 27 years old. I thought I'd give it a go. Oh, so you have those people to thank in that boring office job, really, for making you, making you do yeah. it. Well, it was, this is part of the problem. I wouldn't even call it a boring office job. It was just a normal office job, but I loved yeah. it. I was working advertising. I was being paid to come up with ideas, sat on fluffy couches. No one from my way does that. You don't do that. You learn a trade or you're unemployed or you develop an addiction or you just fucking go to prison. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> you don't sit on a fluffy couch thinking up puns to sell cat food or Vodafone or Carlsberg or Range Rovers. Like I was, I was already living the dream. So that was part of the problem was getting the courage to think I'm going to throw that all away based on ego to stand on an X factor spot and do stand up. That is not clever thinking when you've been give, handed a trade and a talent, which was, I can think up, puns and headlines and sell lots of shit. I thought that was my life yeah. and I was happy with it. So they were like, come on, you've got to try stand up. You started doing open mic nights, amateur gig yeah. nights. What was like the turning point then? Would it have been like live at the Apollo first when gig, you got to be on there? First minute. The turning point of really? what? Leaving work. Leaving work or realising I was supposed to do it. You Realising you were like born to do it. You were like, actually, but this could be probably, my career. Probably, probably second gig. Mm. No, I didn't think it could be. They're two different, completely different things. Born to do it, this will be my career, are completely different things. There are plenty of people who scanned your shopping today in Asda who feel in their heart they were born to do X and are scanning shopping in Asda. I, mm. Being feeling like you were born to do something is a completely different concept to making a living from it. Yeah, And I would true. never, ever, because of how I started my life, ever have dreamed I could make a living from doing that. In fact, I thought it was stupid to think that. And, and, and irresponsible, but I felt in my heart, I'm supposed to make people laugh. And I'm like, well, tough shit, get on with it, earn a living. That's what you're supposed to do. But it just span out of control till I couldn't do my day job anymore. And then bang, oh, my awards are down at the moment because I'm, I'm, um, we're moving house, not showing the house. But all of that, that shelf there where they're all piled up. When I won that um, Edinburgh Comedy Award 2010, that was the end of that. I mean, that's the biggest one you can win in my industry. It's, yeah. it's not as big as a BAFTA so far as public recognition, but for stand up, that Perrier Award, whatever you want, what used to be called, the Edinburgh Comedy, there is no bigger award. And that was that was the end of that. Tata. <laughs> just on to the next thing. Well, just I knew that was it. That's why I am now. I'm a stand-up. Now I'm a stand-up comic. Yeah. So I'm supposed to. At the time, I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to turn into a TV. I'll be a chat show host. Who knows? But I realise now, the further it goes on, oh, shit, I'm one of those ones, more like in the sort of Lee Evans or Billy Connolly or sort of Joan Riversy type mold where I'm just supposed to be a stand. That is my main thing. Mm. I love, I love telly. I love, I make lots of radio for, I'm on telly two, three times a week at the moment, live telly. I fucking love it. I love it with a passion, but I am born to 
do it till I look fucking fucked up like Mick Jagger and everyone wants me to stop. <laughs> please stop. Please stop telling jokes. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the stage you're going to get to. So like you say, yeah. stand-up comedy, presenting, successful podcasts. So for balance, like what are you really bad at? Anything to do with physical coordination. Um, I can't put a shelf up. I, I mean, I never have. I put one shelf. My dad used to be able to look at a shelf and put it up. Get up, slag. <laughs> and it would go and all Bosh. fucking stay up there, mug. <laughs> He could change a tyre by looking at the nuts. He could think the nuts off Ugh. it. I am, if my car breaks, I've never changed a tyre. I've never attempted to change a tyre. If I break down, I get covered in a silver sheet, protect my hair and wait for a man who can do something or a woman increasingly these days to come and change the tyre while I shiver under a, a silver sheet. I, nothing. I've got no, and this holds me back in life and it holds, it holds me back a fair bit in work, for example, you know, question of sport just came to me for being in two episodes and I've got so little sport knowledge. I just didn't even feel confident enough to go along and be the joke one who didn't know about sport. I've been talked into that a few times. And when you get there, it doesn't work. You're just a dickhead that doesn't know about sport. I've got no, because I can't kick a football or hit a tennis ball. I've got no passion for any sport at all. Nothing. The only thing I enjoy watching is boxing, which isn't a sport. It's like watching a fight. So I quite enjoy that. But, you know, football, it's just nothing at all. I can't join in on the lads group. I'm in a typical post-council estate lads, working-class lads group. I can join in with all of the banter, but not the football stuff. Yeah, got, just no, straight over your head. It's a real problem for a man because when men walk into a room, we don't go, hey, who, what's, how are you feeling? We go, oh, team, do you support someone? It's a way in to bond mm. with men you don't know, straight men you don't know. But I'm much, much more comfortable around women or gay men if they're strangers because I know straight away we'll have loads in common. We can talk about anything. You know, that's just the way I was made. So that is a massive gap in my personality and skills. And, and it's physical as well as things I enjoy watching. I can't kick a ball, can't put a shelf up, can't do anything to do with a car. Just fucking useless. Yes, the soccer aid's never, ever going to happen. No, well, nothing. unless they rope you into that as a joke as well. I've turned some down some pretty high profile sports stuff in the past, to be honest. That, yeah. But I go on Soccer AM because it's they're not interested in football from me. They want me to mess around and be myself and join in the chat and kick a football. I love Soccer AM. That's the exception. Yeah, yeah. I love, bloody love that show. You've also been recording an audio book, I've seen. So what is this? Yes. Can can well, you tell us? It's on, it's, on, it's, on, it's on lockdown oh. and NDA. It's a... It's, uh, Someone who has got a massive social media presence, uh, a nerdy journalist, quiet type character who's already had a couple of successful books. And I'm honoured that he has picked me to read this incredibly funny book that is a fast turnaround and will be a, a Christmas book to look out for. Oh, It'll be big. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, love that. I, it must be hard doing an audio book when it's that funny, though, because you're just yeah, like cracking up days. every sentence. Yeah. So we'd allowed one. And my diary is fucking crazy. Like today's my only day off, and this is what I'm doing with it. What a loser. It's my first day off in, I mean, in weeks, literally weeks, where I've had a, a day where I'm not working. And uh, it was so important that I got through that audiobook session in six hours. It's a three hour audiobook. I just couldn't do it. There's so many corpses in laughing. So I had another session, which was fun. Yeah, you've been so busy because you've actually been back out on the road touring again. So how have the shows been? Do you feel like you're Fantastic. appreciating them a little bit more? I know I feel appreciated a little bit more. I mean, I 2020, lots of pe people forget that stand-up, the only time it truly stopped was from December onwards and until June. Between June and December, theatres opened, socially distanced, initially outdoors. I mean, it was busy. 
people forget that because a lot of people didn't go out because they were nervous but we were i was flat out and i was busy on zoom all the rest of the time so i developed i wasn't supposed to be touring i just finished a tour called the fast and the curious but i gradually built up this 45 50 minute 60 minute set which was my view of covid i was going to call it the essex variant but instead i've just called it <laughs> russell kane live if my breakdown of 2020 and of course the guardian came and saw it and hailed it number one show of 2020 that's quite okay. something when you're trying to be funny about a year that has nothing funny about it so i thought well i said to my manager i can't leave that i need to take it on the road and i'm only i'm not doing loads of dates i'll probably just do 20 or something maybe 30 max but i'm that's what i'm doing it's fucking it's just so alive because it's about stuff that's just happened and the audience are like mm. when was this written I'm like literally yesterday virtually like, it's like bang it's not my observations evergreen from 2019 this is bang what do you think of the pandemic but then but belly laugh funny i go for i'm not against in fact most of the comedy i watch is quite sort of highbrow i like nish kumar Stuart lee people like that but the stuff i perform is belly laugh peter k mcintyre funny but about that shit that's my gap in the market no one else does that i mean if you can find the funny in a year that's been shit as well that's yeah. great isn't it you you gotta laugh or cry in those kind of situations haven't you looking, so that I'm being said the, the, the belly the belly laugh funny the observational yeah. humor the immature fart wank joke funny within <laughs> the satirical pile of stuff that mixture of high and low i love always have that's why i like it sounds poncy now but that's why i like shakespeare because that's basically what shakespeare is also i love how you were like yeah i'm only gonna do like 30 shows what is like a, a normal year for you like in terms of shows like what's the most shows a touring you've done in year a, year? Or a, non a touring show or a non-touring year I suppose a touring years. year yeah oh god you would do you'd probably do three legs of a tour um which wouldn't be in 12 months it would probably be closer to 15 months I mean just look at Sarah mm -hmm. Millican at the moment well she's done 150 that's standard Sarah's doing 150 wild. I think. do you, you enjoy do? being on the road though sometimes <laughs> is it like a bit is it a bit hard because you're like enjoy, away from I, you know friends and family hard. for a long time that that I don't enjoy the travel and the being away is tough because I've got a little a little girl and you know I worship ground she walks on and a big girl my wife also <laughs> worshipped equally both worshipped equally uh, so <laughs> it's uh it's tough that is but that's the price i pay it's bit it's a lot of uh, artistic satisfaction i'm doing my hobby for a living i'm earning mm. a ridiculous amount of money for what it is i mean i mean there's obviously people earning a lot more money than me jeff bezos mm. and bankers and barristers and people like that but i'm still earning an incredible sum of money to say cock into a microphone as long as may it continue we hope we love I'm never it bored. i never wake up and think i'm trapped in i'm like this is I can't believe I've got stand up tonight. I can't believe this weekend I'm doing stand up. The thought of it makes my get goosebumps with excitement. Still. Like every show, you're still like proper, like, I'm still thinking about it now. Now, just saying that to you, I'm like, it's my day off. The only shit thing about this day off, do you know, the worst thing about this day off, I'm not doing stand up tonight. That's how I'm, you... I'm fucking animal. I'm an, an I'm a <laughs> fucking animal. The curb have got no one like me on their books. That's my manager. I'm with mm. the best management in the UK, one of the best in the world. Shout out to Def Jam Records. That's who they basically are. <laughs> Off the curb. Wait, wait. They're they just fucking unreal. John, you've got Jonathan Ross, Michael McIntyre, Lee Evans, you name it. They've fucking got like the massive start and they, they've never worked with anyone like me. They'll phone me and go, it's a corporate gig. Everyone will be facing the wrong way. They hate stand up. There's going to be lots of noise. I'm like, I just, I obviously they're well paid those gigs, but B, the challenge of it appeals mm. to me. The other stand ups think I'm mental. I was working with perhaps one of the biggest stand ups in the UK last week. They were struggling to get their head around why I enjoy those gigs, those corporate the gigs. The challenge. Yeah. And just, just to me, they're just a gig. 
They never, they, they were, and I guess yeah. if you can make those people laugh who are potentially like, yeah, not really used to comedy or kind of go in like, oh, not, not fast. If you can win them over, then it, it's the equivalent of a heavy day in a gym. It's the heavy day in the gym. You don't do a heavy day in the gym because you want to be seen going when you're in the nightclub. <laughs> you do a heavy day in the gym because you want to look fucking fit in the nightclub. So when I do a heavy day in the gym, it's because I want to look fit when I play Hammersmith Apollo or you know manchester lowry because i've lifted all that weight that's it you've been training i love it right russell before we go any further let me explain how the rest of the podcast is gonna work so we've been through the internet and we found a whole lot of stuff that people are searching and really want to know about you russell kane so it's time for you to face the celebrity search engine and reveal the answers that the people are desperate to know are you ready drop that shit hard Okay, let's go. So let's start by seeing what happens when we type in Russell Kane and the word who. First question being, who is Russell Kane? Who are you? <laughs> well, we've covered it. It's born on uh, the very bottom rung of a council estate to parents who literally didn't have anywhere to live. So my mum had to be visited in a shelter. So it was 90% battered women and my mum who just didn't have anywhere to live. So my dad would visit her at night until they got housed. That was eight months. I didn't realise it was that long. My mum told me recently when I was put in a final, I missed it in my book. I forgot to ask her. I thought we were there for two months or something. Wow. Eight months, my mum lived like that in a dorm set up and then a council flat and then spat into the comprehensive system, which if you're bright and poor is the worst possible place for you because you just want to be popular. I'm just a normal working class kid. The only thing that's abnormal about me is my parents were undivorced and unseparated. So that was unusual when I was growing up. You know, mostly uh, the parents were separated. Uh, dad had fucked off. Someone's mum had fucked off or they were dead or whatever. Um, so that is, that is a little bit of privilege I have to check because we know statistically my dad being around put me head and shoulders above a lot of people. Then my dad bought his own council house and we really did pull away. As far as we were mm. concerned, yes, we're still in a shitty street, which incidentally is currently the stab capital of London, Brimsdown and Enfield. Yes, I lived oh, in wow. that street, but we owned our own house. And what that did to my brain and my old man's brain, yes, my dad was a lagger. He puts the insulation on the outside of pipes. Yes, my mom was a cleaner, but we were cut above. Once you got that cut above mentality, it just always felt a little bit better than everyone else. In the end, I ended up the same as everyone else. Shit GCSEs, no A-levels, smoking weed, fucking waster. But when I did have that second check myself moment, I swear it was a little bit me coming from an upper working class background that gave me the rocket fuel to go, do you know what? I am going to get my A-levels. I am going to get a degree. So that's who I am. Your bog standard, 38 inch chest, 32 inch waist, five foot 10. Every single thing about me is average. My IQ is average. My weight's average. My height's average. And I come from an average working class. There is nothing special about me. Let that be a lesson to anyone well, watching or listening to this about the difference effort can make. Talent is mm. fucking nothing. What a load of bullshit talent is. Graft. Yeah. Hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. That's exactly. it, isn't it? Because your your dad isn't around anymore because and wasn't it no. like as you were breaking into comedy? That was when he no. passed. Is that right? <laughs> Before it was it's weirder than that. It was the week 
of the um i decided to start stand-up comedy so my dad never even got wow. to hear about my first ever gig and how it went you know one of the open spot one that i did he they he died that same calendar month un, un, undetected oh, birth no. defect my dad had got that far through his life with an undetected birth defect so a birth defect because my dad was a bodybuilder and a bit athletic so it masked i suppose what was mm. up with him with his heart and bang gone one month later i start stand up it's for wow. it's for the best in a sick way because it you know enabled me to tell talk about him i would never have had the courage to he was a fucking unit <laughs> slightly scary scary man yeah, yeah. authoritarian not physically not physically but just he, he never laid a finger he used to say that oh, i've never fucking laid a finger on you and i oh, thank you dad for not beating my fucking head in. but <laughs> but just didn't need to shout my dad didn't even need to raise his voice just oh, like look. one of those teachers like, that doesn't yeah. even raise their voice, but you're terrified. Yeah. I can remember flooding up the stairs once and I pissed myself out of fear. This is, it would, wouldn't be an impressive story if we remember my dad had never shouted at me nor ever hit me and I'm seven years old. How can a man have that much authority that I would piss in my pajamas? That's the geezer we're talking about. So it must be nice, nice now though, to be able to, you know, treat your mum. I'm guessing she's not still cleaning no you no, no my mum i retired i retired my mum not that not as recently as you would think it was about five years ago um not as long ago as you would think she was still cleaning up until five years ago and she leads a modest lifestyle now and we sold that that council house was sold and she moved into a smaller one used some of that money that was left over to go in with me on a couple of buy to lets and that's her income oh that's really nice isn't it uh the next search is people are nosy aren't they uh who is russell kane's wife uh, uh, so that would be originally Lindsay Cole, uh, Lind uh, now Lindsay Kane, um, very private person. And up until last year had never spoken on social, her private social media, because she can't bear the idea of being videoed or speaking, just cringes and blushes, but got to the point with her new business where she realized it would, we'd wrapped up one business very successfully and sold it for a decent amount of money, her eyelash business. But mm. she knows, and I know that, that eyelash business would have gone to the next level. Lindsay's blessed with good looks had she fronted it but she couldn't get there shy I mean, she's just a shy mm. person um but with the property business she's like fuck that i'm gonna do i'm gonna start doing things i've never done before i don't know because it. she hit she's hit 30 and past 30 and you get that courage as a woman when you get past 30 and so now you will start to hear little bits of her we're not talking chris and rosie ramsey or anything but she's <laughs> for example she's just said yes to something for the first time this week the first ever tv program that's come and asked for both of us she's always no no way she said yes oh, amazing first time ever we're filming that um, next week if it comes off it, it, i don't i don't know if i should say but it's like a game just a game show thing mainstream that's the first time so that's who she's a very shy very good looking girl entered high street honeys in 2008 a friend put her in nearly one i think she was in the final three didn't like the idea of modeling didn't have the personality for it petite knockout good looking bird very northern very feisty don't fuck with her um, and so just just a very loyal, loving, fit bird married. There was a, a great photo of the two of you that that came out this week. So you're you're in a taxi. She's obviously like looking looking really glamorous. And then you're there just like pulling your <laughs> pulling your shirt apart, chest out. There, there, was, there was there was fallout <laughs> from that one because I'm was trying that? very hard to nudge myself towards. <laughs> Say BBC One's thinking, we need someone who's a little bit older and more mature now, could maybe host <laughs> show X. And I want to be considered with that person. At the mm. moment, I'm still thought of as slightly alternative, crazy, BBC Three. I'm still stuck at 29 um, career-wise, which is great because I get to do all the stuff that people at 29 do. But trouble is, 
not 29. And uh, <laughs> so the one thing I shouldn't be doing is falling out of a party, which, by the way, was to celebrate a royal appointment of perhaps the poshest oh. person I know, Kelly, Kelly Hoppen, has just been made a CBE. And and we're up there with, I mean, I don't want to name drop, let's just say your jaw would have been on the Go floor looking around the party once. That's everyone was there, just Google the party. It was ridiculous. And I'd been working too late, drank too much too quickly, came out of Lindsay, got in a taxi, and one of the photographers said, show us your tits to me, not Lindsay. So I did. <laughs> You did. They got the money shot. They absolutely did. I, I sort of vaguely remember doing it, didn't dwell on it. We just laughed and we went on to the next thing, which was an after party at someone's house, which we did. we lasted about one vodka because we were so hungry. We ate <laughs> chips from the floor of our hotel, like, like with our fists. And then next morning we're getting up like, I'm throbbing headaches. Lindsay's like, oh my God, you need to go on the mail online. And I was like, oh shit. There oh, there mail. we are. There Normally they ignore me. I, I, whenever I come out of, filming something whether it's like a strictly or whatever i always do something outrageous just to make the photographers laugh and they take the pictures to be polite but they don't do anything with them because i'm such a boring you know i'm just i'm, I'm not i'm not celebby and i don't make do anything stupid they're only interested in people that have got problems basically um scandal yeah but on this occasion <laughs> being outside the cbe and being fully topless that was enough to push the press over the edge and of course when i'm with Lindsay, this you know it's, she's a good looking girl so it sort of jacked it out anyway I was dreading the phone call from my manager because he's either going to be laughing down the phone or I'm going to be in shit because I've shat on all the hard work we've done to try and make me... I am mature and reliable. There's of course no you are. Like uh, but in the end, everyone found it hilarious. Oh, good. It's so all few, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all fine. Uh, no, didn't, didn't you meet Lindsay at one of your gigs? Is yes. that right? So you kind of yes. spotted her and you are just like, oh, hello. Yes, yeah, so I'd recently split up with a, a girl very recently we just we just split up and um i would decided i was definitely going to be single and no one on earth was gonna make me think otherwise and uh i, I bet if i'm honest with you completely honest i'd made i'd never at this point in my life i'd never had a one night stand i don't think i'd ever kissed a girl on a night out and not got into a relationship with i mean this, you're talking about a 30 odd year old man mid-30s it's pathetic <laughs> I've got a lot of female attention because of what I do for a living. And I've never experienced what it's like, this goes for boys and girls, to just think, I could just fucking, I mean, obviously women, they spend their whole lives thinking I could just go out and get laid tonight if I want. But for a man, men can't do that unless you do what I do for a living, then you can temporarily. I thought, well, what happens if I just start shagging? Six months, get it out of your system, and maybe the next relationship will actually last. That was the conscious plan, six months to a year in Vajganistan, as I called it. Shagging anything that moves. There was no, I had no preference, race, hair color, Just age. Bring them in. 18, 18 to 40. If they got like a speech, this is where I am. I can't offer you any romance. You, know, you can't, we can't be drunk, but if you want to go out and party for the night, we can. It was all very like the sort of almost 2021 level, sign the consent form or something. And, uh, <laughs> Track and so trace. That's what, yeah. That's what I did. And then, and then right at the beginning of that, there's this stunning girl in the front row of my audience with her mum and dad. And I just was really horrible to her, like I am in the front row. She was wearing like this fake fur coat and, I, and she was doing like a posh Manchester voice, like Audrey, I've come in. So I, I pulled the jacket on stage and pretended I was waxing my fanny with it. You know, I've got mink fur. I'm like, look at my minky. That was it. And I said to my manager afterwards, my tour manager, that is, I said, that girl was fucking stunning in the front row. What was her name? Is it Lindsay? I bet you I never see her again. I bet you I never oh. lay out. Isn't it weird? And that, of course, because of where my head was at, 
didn't do anything. I mean, how would I do anything about it? It's just a girl mm. called Lindsay in the front row. A few weeks later, I was just bored. I didn't do it really with anything in mind. I tweeted the word minky on its own. No hashtag, no who remembers the gig. Just, just fired it up into Twitter, into the ether. One of her friends saw it. I was like, is this about uh... nothing? Message, message, follow, follow. I just said to, to Lindsay, I'm not in the headspace to even meet you for a drink. So now we went maybe another two or three months before we met for a drink even. This is after the gig, maybe four months. Even at that drink, I said to her, I, I really like you, but there is no way I'm breaking my pact with myself. So you can either handle seeing me while I'm doing whatever I like. You, of course, do whatever you like, or you can't. I can handle it, I can handle it. So we went another three or four months like that. Then eventually, mm -hmm. maybe it was a September, October even uh, that year, we were, I was like, no, I'm in love with you. I think let's let's give it a go. Exclusive, see how it feels. And then we got married. And on on the inside of my wedding ring, which is not on because I've just been to the gym, but it's upstairs, says you had me at Minky. That's what it says on my wedding ring. No way! Oh, but that's met, so great. She met me at the. She literally met me at the worst possible moment, um, where I really was determined to be single and not be emotionally involved because I I don't want to be involved with a woman and then fuck her up by being an, an idiot who can't offer commitment i didn't want to be that guy and upsetting girls you know like a stereotype so i just i had a conscious be single on purpose period when i was done i was they done. always say that though don't they like you meet someone when you're least expecting it so that's that's true yeah. Some, someone but in I a mink coat it. and then it I, st it I stuck to it instead of seeing that person and starting banging that person and fucking it up because i wasn't emotionally ready i actually had the strength to go i'm not going to see you um, my life mm. wasn't complicated. I was living on my own in a flat with a pug. There was no reason why I couldn't see <laughs> Lindsay. But I decided, well, I'm not going to do that. I wanted to get all the way to the next March, a full, fully mm. to March 2013. Um, but in the end, I only lasted till like the October, and then we were like, but and then we ended up getting engaged in the March. It happened very quickly. Oh, and now you've got a daughter together. Yeah, we've got Minna. She's six, just six. Oh, that means are you getting like the dreaded question of like, when are you having another one? Because my friends that have kids are honestly yeah. just like, I can't be dealing with people. <laughs> no, but have you have you got any friends that have got one kid? Yes, one and done. Happy. I think that's the way forward, isn't it? How much happier are your friends with one kid? And how much have you noticed? It's true. They both they both still look all right and have a social life and seem to still be shagging. That is the key. Why <laughs> so do you need two? True. Why do you need two? We're not in an era where infant death is so high where you've got to have a spare in case one pegs it. <laughs> So they've got to play with each other. They go to school at five. So it's just five. There's only five years of guilt. Now Minna's got a friend. Minna detests the idea of any competition and would, would probably turn into Ted Bundy mm. if I brought a baby <laughs> in the house. So why bother? Me and Lindsay yeah. are still, there's two lot sets of relationships. There's a relationship with our child and there's our relationship. And one is not superior to the other. We're not like selfish twats going out clubbing and neglecting our daughter. Mm. Neither are we. You know, have I let my sort of body hair grow into a rhino horn, develop to be a gut, and I just sit playing with Bibby all day? We had, we do both. We are both. Balance. We were clubbing last weekend. It's fucking sick. I still like dancing. We do all of that. But at the same time, we do Disney, we do musicals, we do like play and all that. You know, we I've, we got the balance right. And I think as much as I probably would have another one, definitely would. That's very recent, that emotion. Um, a, Lin, I would literally have to leave Lindsay and find another woman. She will never have another baby. <laughs> And B, and B, it's probably for the best. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not going to happen, but that's, that's all right. Happen. Now, Lindsay, is, Lindsay wants me to go and get neutered. We have a conversation at least two, three times a year. But I always <laughs> um, say it's not fair on my next wife. I've got to think of her. She could be first. <laughs> 
Um, this like next that. search made me laugh, but to be honest, I can imagine you're you're all fed up of it. Uh, who does Russell Kane look like? Because there's Grimshaw. yeah, a lot Nick you Grimshaw, get confused from a lot, right? Yeah, so people think I'm exaggerating it for podcasts like this to create some hilarious content. Uh, so I, I did make a video one night of when I was in a, a nightclub. You'll probably find it on YouTube. Uh, I was I went to the Sugar Hut clubbing, and these lads just wouldn't have it that I wasn't Nick Grimshaw. Followed me to the toilet. It was scary. They were banging on the door going, you're doing coke. Nick Grimshaw's doing coke in the toilet. Like, men from Essex can't believe that you don't do cocaine. They can't believe men exist that don't abuse drugs on a night out like me. They can't believe that I'm as energetic as I am now because I have a personality. In their mind, I must have shoveled uh, Dyson to two fucking lines of Colombian marching powder up my nose before I spoke. Like, the idea that a man could have a personality without drugs is a foreign concept to Shock my him. fellow Essex countrymen. So they were smashing on the door going, Grimmy's doing drugs. And I managed to film it to show how intense it is. I've been Jesus. to Ibiza this year, twice actually. And uh, everywhere we go, I mean, literally everywhere. Lindsay gets pissed off with it. I find it funny. Uh, Grimmy, can we have a photo, Grimmy? And then you see them dawning on some girls' faces. Oh my God, Grimmy's gay. Who's this woman he's been canoodling with? And we had one incident where a girl started to have a go at me. Yeah, my brother came out because of you, and here you are getting off with a girl on a stumbed. It was Lindsay. No. And, uh, and then, of course, then Lindsay just blows. What the fuck? One, you've got the wrong person. But B, even if it was him, what fucking business are you What Whether he's gay or straight, gone. <laughs> All the time. Just like you wouldn't believe how often it happens. Uh, even in comedy environments at comedy festivals and stuff, people think it's Nick Grimshaw come to see me. That's happened before when I was I was oh. going through the audience into my own gig, but it looked like I was one of the audience. So someone thought it was Grimmy coming to see me, but it was me getting, oh trying God. to get to the stage door. I mean, it's just, yeah, it is crazy. There's also a lot of searches about Andy Buchanan, the skater as well, who was oh, on I Dance oh, Night Live. And uh, apparently, apparently, oh, yeah, like you know, I did. I did. I did. The one that danced with the Colleen Rooney's enemy. That's it. <laughs> it's Rebe Rebecca Vardy's account. That that one. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vardy, dance with Vardy. Yeah, I got a few of those. It's a, that's that's what I just call a good lookalike. No one's ever said, hey, Andy, when you're out. The only, yeah. you know, no, I get approached as Grimmy all, I mean, all the time. Why, if I'm in a public space, I would say almost every time. Very rarely oh, wow. would we go to, would we go to the theatre or, or do something without, without that. Does Grimmy rare. get it the other way around, I wonder? Must yes. do. Yes, he does. Yeah. We did Soccer AM together very recently. We were both laughing about it. But I obviously <laughs> get it a lot more because he's more of a sort of a mainstream figure anything around music as well we get it a lot oh my god i had one um, three three days ago a gig i was a corporate gig i was hosting in a wind your name's literally on the poster you're right literally there on the poster but part of the job was i had to pre-mingle for drinks before i went on stage and word went round that grimmy was there oh my god stop. i'm not making this up but <laughs> we don't even look that much alike i don't I I think maybe you look more alike of like when he first started at Radio One, but I think you actually look really different now. And he's and gay and northern, so I'm like find myself around a talking to Essex lads from going, Do I sound like I'm from Oldham, mate? I'm, do I sound like you're from Colchester? I said we sound the same. Ah, mate, I recognise the voice. You're like, That's do you? It's <laughs> crazy. We are going to mix up those letters and move from the who's to the hows. So, um, I mean, it's not very polite to ask, but how I'm old? asking on behalf of the people, how old is Russell K? Not 46. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's a matter of record. It's easily checked. My real surname is Greno, G-R-I-N-E-A-U, 
which I, which obviously I don't use because no one can pronounce it. Um, so if it, if I'd have started a few years later, I could have hung on to my real ethnic surname and, and done a blog about how triggered I am that no one can pronounce it. Annoyingly, I just uh, gave in to the Anglo-Saxon hegemony and changed Ooh. my name to Kane. Um, so where did Kane come from? Is that like a middle name? Or you just like my, just sort of my girlfriend good? at the my girl yeah the last one my girlfriend at the time i said i'm having some issues here i've done a few amateur spots and people are going welcome to stage russell grignow grignow yeah, <laughs> it is different if my name had been ranganathan the difference is ramesh's name is phonetic all you've got to do is follow the letters even if you've never seen it before so that's why ramesh was right to keep his name but if your name is not phonetic it can hold you back a bit because it's you want things to be catchy and remembered but this is this mm. is the advertiser in me talking not the identity politics person in me i come from a marketing and branding background um so i just if i'd have known more about stand-up i would have changed my first name didn't realize that russell oh, brandon yeah. howard was such a big deal so i had a lot of issues in the beginning oh there's another russell in town do we really need another russell where people are thick fucks and just because we've got the same name associates together <laughs> i would have changed it i could have become anything i wanted but i picked kane and as we got to about when, when we were younger, it was fine. We all had to show our ID to get into nightclubs. We got into our mid twenties. Okay, I might have looked a little bit better than my mates, but we all looked roughly mid twenties. And all of a sudden, I stopped looking as old as my friends. <clears throat> At first, it wasn't very dramatic, but as I got into biohacking and science and like DNA repair and all the nerdy shit I've got into, obviously I've been given a bit of a genetic pass anyway because my mum looks much younger than her age. But mm. on top of that, I've been biohacking like with my hairline it's still the same hairline i had when i was in my 20s even at the crown it's wait less biohacking sorry i have no idea what you're what you're saying uh diet exercise supplements experimental chemicals um mm. things like nmn just going into the science like you know the bulletproof dude who's largely a lot of the stuff he says you take the pinch of salt but mm. you know dropping my doing fasting these things to optimize and slow aging using the hardcore right. science i don't want to go into it here it's very involved very boring for anyone that's not into it um so that on top of looking a bit young for my age anyway when i started to get to 30 i started to sh like I, then when i got to 35 and i'm getting id deed in america and stuff because obviously Amazing. i'm 46 now i started to think i'm in showbiz here i look literally 10 years younger than my age oh, uh, compared america. to everyone around me i can yeah. knock five years off no one's gonna know so I won the Perrier Award and I was actually, let me get this right, 35. Mm. But the person was like, how old are you? This what the, how it actually happened, the journalist went, how old do I, went, how old do I look? And they went, mid twenties. I went, I'm actually five years older oh, than that, 30. Wow. And they were still surprised. And the Love lie that. started, the lie started with that little one. And then I couldn't get out of it um, because it was so nice being only just 30 again. I just kept saying it because I didn't ever think my career would get to a point where anyone gave a shit. I'd knocked five years off my age. I mean, I only did this for maybe two or three years because I started to get mm. famous and then I had to come sort of come clean. But you know, I've never <laughs> been forgiven. I've never been forgiven for it because the stand up should be authentic. And that's the one thing I lied about was my age. Now I'm now I'm 46. But I mean, have a look at a 46 year old man. The science. And that's what works. I mean. You, you still look so young, don't you? Like, even no Botox. There's no Botox or filler in my face. Look, look, I wouldn't be able to do any of that. I've got all my lines. They're oh, all I there. Was, yeah, being honest, I was going to ask you if you've had some work done. You're just... Nothing. Just... Just gifted just a, and you're just dental. looking after yourself. I had my a brace on my teeth when I was 14, so that mm. my teeth aren't my real tooth shape. Um, I've derma-rolled my hair, so that's just a, a, a 9 dollars uh, thing you buy off Amazon where you 
quite painful. Uderma roll once a week, and I use minoxidil on my hairline, which promotes hair growth in men. But it's not fake. Oh. But everything in my face and my body has been produced by my body or my face. Nothing has been put in. Uh, I do like it, like posh facials where they turn on like a, a stimulating collagen wand. It's called radio frequency. Mm. But still, to date, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I've got stretchy skin as well, which is weird. But uh, I've got uh, you know all the lines of that. You would not be able to do that with Botox. I w- I'm too scared to soften the lines in my face. It's not because yeah. I'm like superior person that doesn't do it i just think well being able to frown pays the bills so why would i get rid of frowning that's true or if you were on stage doing a bit of stand-up and people would be like his face is that yeah. funny or not his face isn't moving i don't i don't understand so, what's going on yeah it's all it's all natural i did have a scar here where i had a mole taken off and i did try injecting botox in that once to get rid of the scar it didn't work however injecting can't see it. Comp- no it's gone because i used biohacking i went back to this facialist and went can you do a mesotherapy on it which is a combination of cell regenerative vitamin and the fucking um, the bump disappeared after 10 years it is now completely gone so that's the only time i've injected shit into my face was botox mm. which did nothing but got rid of that and put that in instead <laughs> oh, in i need to read about this like biohacking thing might change your life god it might I'll be... if you're going to start with one book and just don't worry if you need to fast forward past some of the boring science chapters read david sinclair's lifespan everything you need to know is in there there you go dumb um the next question is the nosiest question of all and of course gets all our guests squirming how much is russell kane worth how would we calculate it houses plus i mean if it's savings in the bank it's never going to be much is it after the the bat eating year we've just had you know properties i suppose have you invested have you invested wisely yes because this is the advantage of starting late uh, i was 27 Yes, I do still go Ibiza and I do still go clubbing, but I just finished my writhing round on the floor till 8am, eyes in the back of the head, Stephen Hawking face. <laughs> Thank God. Um, so when the cash started to come in, by then I would have been, God, maybe even 31, 32. So I mm-hmm. was, had learnt to save based on my first job. So that's when I bought the flat in London. Um, well, I mean, that's got to be worth a meal now. But I bought it for about 250 grand and did it up um so there's no debt in that and that i i still rent i run that like an airbnb because i'm in london so mm-hmm. much that hotels don't cut it because i want to go down with minna i want to have our own bedroom it's a two-bedroom flat and it's like home from home i've got that a few other houses few investments going on uh, i wouldn't I, I would honestly have to sit down with a calculator to, to work yeah. it out we've got time no, I'm, I'm joking uh, <laughs> i would thought i would have thought a good a good the houses sold that one that we're putting the money into our house around the corner as well i wouldn't think i'm worth that much on paper but the business is very healthy mm. so for example for example i mean you can do the sums with any stand-up just look at their ticket price on on the door and look how many seats they've done and then and then work out what percentage they probably get to keep after expenses probably about half maybe and then after tax you can work it out so if you're doing like fucking two hundred thousand tickets, I mean my ticket prices are quite cheap, twenty quid a head. I'm not skinned. That is good. Look I'm at not that. Skinned. But yeah, I mean according to the internet, it's one point five million dollars. I don't know why it's in dollars, but there we go. I I actually think it'll no, probably be more than that. But it's, it's well, my my house is worth more than that. So <laughs> the equity in, in yeah. my house is worth nearly that. So it, it's definitely not that. Um, but you know, it's misleading. What you got people have got to remember is like a footballer's career. It can stop at any moment. Mm. So, yeah, my house is worth that. Everything's in that house. It's probably about right, to be honest, when you take off tax and everything. What do you think is, like, the most kind of extravagant or ludicrous thing that you've you've bought? 
since you've been earning from stand-up? Again, it's built on it. I built up watch by watch because how I saved up to go to university was selling Rolex watches on Bond Street. So I I built oh, I up. Realize. I went I went to university at 21 and my dad was like, you're fucking paying for it yourself. So I did. Uh, and I did that by selling Rolex watches, which always left me with a, one day, I'll own one of these fucking watches. Um, so as soon as I was earning decent money, I did. I started with the steel watch. But if those who know about watches like me, wait until that watch is in profit which doesn't take long with Rolex. This is why I always say to people, don't waste your money on your Gucci's and tags. You'll never get your money back. And then I would sell it, get the profit, add more to it. So I have built up slowly, but I don't know if you should talk about watches on this because it would probably uh, fracture my home insurance. But over the years, <laughs> let's just say over the years, I've had some silly watches currently, of course, just to fit bit. Um, uh, but <laughs> over the years, probably have worn a watch that was worth more than I earned at the advertising agency in a year, I would say. Wow, wild. Uh, like a rapper's watch. I just wanted to do it, but I look like a cunt, so I don't wear it anymore. <laughs> just flexed in constantly. But, but it came, you got people got to understand it came from an investment place. It yeah. came from a slowly building up and sold it and made money. It wasn't from a look how much money I've got place. Mm. Car-wise, I've always been pretty boring. Same with the house. I don't live in a mansion. I just live in a nice, we're on a Jones home estate here. Uh, my neighbor's opposite, I'm overlooked. You can see the houses out there. There's the neighbors, oh, just yeah. a normal Jones housing estate. Um, so I've never, I'm scared of disappearing up my own ass basically. Um, all my clothes come from ASOS. My house is, uh, the one I live in is like a, probably worth about 700 grand. Uh, my cars are always pre my my car I drive around and pose in is a 1986 BMW that I bought for 14 grand. I love it. I love it like it's a second wife. Um, <laughs> so I don't. I'm and it's not because I'm such a great person and kept down to earth. I'm terrified of that person who ripped the shirt open outside Kelly Hoppins do. <laughs> and if you start wearing iced up Rolexes and driving Lamborghinis and living in 10 million pound houses, you're fucking finished. Basically. that's it yeah and, and also it's real life you're not living real life all my friends are my friends from home from when i was 16 all my mm. family i don't have any rich showbiz like people that I hang out with all the time i've got loads of high profile showbiz friends who i'll go to do's and hang out with like kelly hoppen but if we're talking about weekend weekend out having cups of tea in my house feet up on a stool that's all my the original the ogs and my family that's what you need, though, isn't it? People that, that knew you before, so you can't get too far from where you started. But no one does that. that. No one else does that. You know, I'm unusual. That holds. It also holds me back. There's a negative to that. I'm not as good as networking as I should be. Lazy and just yeah, I should be. There's no doubt about it. If I was, if we were in America and I did this, and then the next month I went out drinking with Chris Rock and partying with Kevin Hart, it would lead to worse. It's as simple as yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. See what you that's mean. That's just the way the industry works, and so it should. You know, that's the way it works with me. I do it myself. I'll end up at a comedy do, get drinking with a newer act, go home, Google them, look at the YouTube. This guy's good. I'll give him a support slot. It's just how it works. We're human mm. beings. We're supposed to network. It's my lazy ass fault. That I want to still hang out with Scott, Lee, Wayne, and Dan, and send <laughs> like goat porn to each other on WhatsApp, and that's the extent of my social life. That's my problem. But it also means my stand up is really real like i'm not bullshitting when i talk to the audience i really am yeah still me
So next we move on to the autofill suggestions. So obviously what else comes up when people put your name into Google? Um, and I don't, I don't quite get gay. this. Gay has got to be in there. Gay came out, gay was the number one for years. Gay question mark. That is, that is, that is actually, that was a search, yeah. Further, further yeah. down. Um, but it used but to be one. number one for many years. It's only because I've been seen with Lindsay a lot now. Um, and because of the way yeah. I am on stage and very camp and everything. I mean, I get a lot of, I have this week, a lot of gay men. I know, I, I had this, I had this week i'll suck you dry where are you tonight that's just oh one of the ones God. i've had this week dick pics gay pick gay propositions all the time so even i could understand straight men and women getting confused because i'm a bit camp yeah. but if you're confusing gay men's gay does you really are super camp <laughs> it's blowing their minds uh, no, i this know this one is um russell kane politics i mean what am i missing here is there is there any danger they probably of that mean, happening? They're probably looking for my political, like my rants that are sort of slating Boris Johnson. And probably because I'm so good at slating Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson, probably trying to work out what way I vote because I'm actually quite even handed with who I dish it out to. I make as much fun of wishy-washy, it's gone too far, silly things as I do of right-wing fucking hateful idiots so everyone gets a panning equally which is, i believe is the job of the jester but people find it very hard to work out how i vote watching i actually vote green i'm not don't just vote green i'm a paid member of the green party and i'm toying with the idea of helping them out invisibly with leafleting and shit like that but i keep my private politics hidden because how how can i be neutral i have to be i have to make fun of everyone i don't want people to go oh lefty twat oh god a right-wing comedian i want people to not know who mm. i'm going to go for next but it always to be funny but you're going to help in the background there's no way you'd ever be like a, a forward well, facing like, like member of a party kind of thing don't think so I don't think so. Uh, I'm too on the records of having parted, you know. I'm just, I like free, I like freedom um, to, to, I just, I don't know. I feel like I would have to give up quite a lot of what I'm good at to do that. So mm -hmm. why would I do that? And I would definitely be tempted into populism as well. And I can't bear that. Populism, if people don't know what it means, is where you just say whatever the crowd likes so that you get elected. Well, that is how I'm made. So I would definitely drift into saying shit I didn't really believe to get elected because that's the way I'm built. My stand up, yeah. all stand ups are like, that um, <laughs> just want to be liked so fuck uh, that that's how fascism starts um the the next search i mean it's not it's not a shocker this one is just russell kane tour obviously you're you're in demand but i wondered like what is your like the fa your favorite place that you've you've ever gigged have you got one uh probably the the smaller the closer the venues are to 500 seats the more fun they are um mm. it just becomes a point where you get to a stage where you're doing so many tour dates you can't play 500 seaters anymore as lovely as it is i do do that for example this weekend i'm going to a tiny town called huntingdon hitchinburg art center 500 seats i'm doing two nights there but i know what's gonna happen i'll get to the saturday night and think fuck i've got to do it all over again <laughs> just because I wanted to wank off over being in a small room. Really, I'd rather have done a thousand seats, mm -hmm. just a little bit less intimate. But the truth of it is, it comes down to room design. It doesn't matter whether you're in Auckland, Aberdeen, London, Manchester. A good room is a good room wherever it is based on height of ceiling, lowness of stage, seats being arranged in a sort of semi-circular fashion, almost enveloping the stage, but not in the round, moving around mm. in a fan 
away from the stage. The more that is the shape of the room, the lower the stage, the semicircle, the low ceilings, then you can go all the way up to two, 3,000, it feels great. For example, a couple of Mondays ago with Angela Barnes and Susie Ruffle, we did the Chichester Festival Hall, which I think is about 1,400 packed, but honestly, the slightest full stop gets right to the back of the room. So it's not a straightforward, oh, people from Aylesbury are amazing. <laughs> it comes down to, that's probably why if I could teleport myself to one gig tonight packed, I probably would send myself to the Comedy Store London. It's no coincidence that place is a gold mine. It's a horseshoe shape around a beautifully mm -hmm. intimate small stage, 500 people-ish. It's just the fucking best gig in the world, probably. Probably. Do you still get a lot of like hecklers? Do people come specifically to be like, oh, really? Never. People don't do it. It's like being hit by energy for you come to my gig and i'm on fire and i'm a good night you should be pinned to your seat and and be begging for it to stop after 70 minutes because you put her in with laughter that's what it's like from the from the first syllable like being punched held down and tick like that uncomfortable feeling of being tickled by your older brother yeah that's the, that's the way it is People don't, there's no gaps. If people shout, I wouldn't hear anyway. The only exception has been when I was first taking this COVID 2020 best show the Guardian's ever seen out on away from London and the cosmopolitan areas. I can't do anti-vax stuff. They do shout out. They're mental. They are fucking oh, wow. insane because they genuinely believe that we are under a tyranny and loss of democracy and the vaccine army are coming to kill us and take our children and Elvis is going to rape us up the bum or whatever it is they believe. <laughs> Um, so they, it's not just their views that are being challenged. They think their freedoms being challenged. So they do normally it is, I don't want to make a stereotype, but it's mostly sort of non-degree educated women aged 30 to 50 sort of stand up and go, yeah, but you fuck it. They're coming for your kids, freedom and all that. And the next group would be sort of working class men without power disaffected. So I just stopped doing it. I removed it from the show because it wasn't worth yeah. the hassle. I don't want to be going to work thinking is Tracy gonna get triggered and shout out and be crying in the foyer like that's what happened that night oh, so i no. do i make i make fun of the different types of vaccines and i talk about the german versus the british mm. and i do the personalities but i don't make fun of pro or anti i stay neutral yeah because it was becoming a headache so have you had many like funny crowd moments or anyone walking out or anything like that i guess yeah, I, now the, you're so established but, but at the yeah, start, maybe. Not really at the start, just over the year. I did have one where I was in, it was Perth in Scotland, I'll never forget it. It's a great show. I was storming along, smashing the gig. And I was doing a routine about when things are so cute, you want to squish them. That's what the routine is about. I mean, not really the most, and when you got your cat and you want to pop its head, or when you when you've got when you've got a baby's head. And the sentence I used was, "When you got to the baby and it's so cute, you want to squeeze its head." And I heard someone screamed at the top of their voice, "Not it!" And I stopped. I went, "What was that? Not it? You said it. It's a he or a her. A baby is never an it." And I and I stopped. I was like, "Check the person wasn't with like a cat because it's something someone with." on the spectrum would say it's such a bizarre heckle and it was a drunk woman in the third row and her husband <laughs> bright bright red so whether something had happened with a baby i don't know i tried because all the audience turned and i went no no let's leave it come on yeah fair enough fun. we'll change the what gender would you like don't make fun of me i'm not making fun of you i'm offering to give this imaginary baby a gender i said a fair play to you of all the things i've been shouted at in my career being heckled over a pronoun is a first and that's when she just <laughs> threw her drink fully at me it went over oh. the two rows soaked the two rows in front of me and landed at i landed at my feet and i went oh look my waters have just broken and that's when she burst out crying and ran out the brilliant <laughs> 
I don't know what her backstory was, but that's definitely the most bizarre one I've ever had. That is so weird. Like you say, some of the things that you talk about on stage, I mean, yeah. people could have something to say, and then that's the one thing that's that's bothered her. Wow. Well, I had, and I had a corporate where someone tried to, like uh, someone in construction stormed the stage. It was a, it was a, a building awards. And he came up and tried to like fucking. He was worked in demolition. You imagine the size of the fucker. I don't know if it was a dare or if he'd done too much coke or if he genuinely didn't like me. It'd actually been a very successful night. I mean, it's a professional night. I'm in a suit and tie, no extreme swearing. It's corporate comedy. Mm. And he came up and just threw the hardest punch he could, but it was so hard that he went back first. So I easily was able to move out of the way, and the poor fucker missed me and fell off the stage and knocked himself out. Oh, but it was wow. a serious attempt at a proper assault, you know. But, yeah, you dodged one there. Do yeah. you uh, do you go and watch comedy or on your days off, are you no, just sitting in never. a dark room? You don't want to laugh. You just want to sit I in silence. I've never been to watch stand-up before I did it. So it's not like I used to watch mm. it. It's just not something... I, I love going to the theatre. I love watching plays. Mm-hmm. I particularly now love going with the, the little one. I've never watched, got musicals before, but now I do. I love like serious, poncy theatre. I like all types of theatre. That said, I will make exceptions for Stuart Lee, who I've been to see a couple of times. And I went to watch Sean Walker's show just to support him after that fucking horrific way that the media treated him. And it's a brilliant show. Okay, so needs to get much more success. He's already a very successful guy, but Sean Walsh deserves a lot more. They're my only two exceptions I can think of where I put my hands in my pocket and bought a ticket. Every other time, reading books, watching movies, I've got this. I don't know if you can see it. I press I push a button. Well, I have got all these lovely books I love reading, but B, that there, I push a button, screen comes down. Uh, oh, like a projector. Yeah, blackout movie. That's what I do. Oh, yeah, living the dream. Um, this search, I really, I really want to get to the bottom of Russell Kane and Mark the Beast Labbit. So, is this about the chase, or is there like some beef that I don't know about? This is what the is, most. What is this? Uh, honestly, this shows how newspapers work. So <laughs> I. I beat the chasers three times now. I, I, I've, I've, beat, uh, I've done the beat the chasers one where they're in a panel. That's the most recent one. Yeah. The first one I did was Anne Hegarty, Miss Trunchbull, thrashed her. And the middle one, it's got to be five years ago. I beat Mark Labatt, the beast. I beat him, right? So I was stood there with Bradley Walsh, right, ready to face the chaser. And he said, who do you want to face? Who are you most scared of? And I said, well, I'm scared of all of them. I think it's the beast coming as I can hear a forklift delivering him to his seat. That's what I said. Now, the guy is six foot five and about 25 stone, and he calls himself the beast. Um, this is long before body shaming was even a term. This is five, six years ago. Would I still do that joke? Probably yes, because he's a big lad and he makes a virtue of it, like Greg Davies. That's his thing, I would, yeah. I would say that about Greg Davies. That's what, that's what, and, and uh, Bradley did a joke. Oh, yeah, that's disgusting. You can't say stuff like that theatrically. And then we played the game. At, when the show came on, about six months later, there was a small little, oh, Russell Kane uh, said the beast was delivered by forklift and the beast is furious. You know one of those fake stories where you click it, like, Holly walks off the set and Holly hasn't walked off the set. It was just a joke. <laughs> that was all it was. That's oh, all that happened. So there was no anger. There's no There's no anything. Five and a half years pass. Last month, they repeated the episode. This time, Express, Mail, Metro, Russell Kane, Body Shames, Mark Labatt. It was filmed six years ago. So that that's why it went out. It, it was repeated. And now I'm a sort of a body shamer who shames overweight people. But the guy yeah. calls himself a beast and he's six foot five. And we, you know, we both found it hilarious. It was almost like we workshopped the joke together. <laughs> I love that. That's also one of the most searched things about you. So was it rec- it's very search. recent. That's why it's very recent uh, <laughs> that it hit the headlines. But it was filmed six years ago. <laughs> 
It's time for a quick ad break now, but hurry back for part two. In the meantime, I'm going to practice my latest joke on Russell and see what he thinks. Hello, sorry to interrupt your podcast. We didn't do that. It's just been magically done for us. We do a podcast, which I think you might like if you like this podcast. Our podcast is called The A to Z of Men with me, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. And what's the podcast about, Scott? I mean, what we're doing really is giving you an insight, a delve into the male mind. We're going through the alphabet letter by letter. I submit a word, Chris submits a word, and we battle it out to see what word goes into the A to Z of men. And you can get us wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for the A to Z of men. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So the autofill search is done. And the final part of today is what we call uh, internet tombola. So basically a big old lucky dip of the World Wide Web to find the stuff that people have been posting about you. So let's, let's see what comes up here. It stopped on headlines, and uh, this is one from the Radio Times from back in 2016. Russell Kane's BBC Radio 4 joke about the Queen is branded offensive by Ofcom. So have yeah. you been in trouble quite a lot with Ofcom? Is there is there a bit of a trend? Not really, not really. But people that have been in trouble with Ofcom tend to be very, very successful. Frankie Boyle, Jimmy Carr, stuff like that. I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. a coward. I love the audience <laughs> to love me. I want everyone to like everything I'm saying all the time. Holds, I've got to be honest, it probably holds me back slightly as a performer. Uh, I was on a show, David Baddiel was hosting it. I can't remember the joke, can't remember the round. I just know we had to think of funny things the Queen might say, blah. Uh, I did you, a pre-record. You say whatever you like in the pre-record. It's up for the editor to decide what goes out, like today. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and I, if we said something a bit where we were messing around and could be taken the wrong way, we would obviously snip that out and not put it out. If you don't snip it out, that's on Abby McCarthy. It's not on me. I'm not in, <laughs> I'm not in the I'm not in the edit. You see what I mean? Mm. Uh, they put this joke out, which was Radio 4. I don't think it was anything extreme. It might have been about the Queen being on the toilet, something like that. But it ha- it coincided with a big birthday or a jubilee, so it was perceived oh. as tasteful. That's what led to the complaints. There's a schedule. Did you get Did you get a message from um from the Queen herself? No, no, there was no fallout at all. It didn't get traction. Okay. Sadly, otherwise it would have led to loads of work. <laughs> loads of work, exactly. You wouldn't even have time for this. 
It's landed on a tweet next. Uh, Russell Kane has been to Ibiza 26 times. Who knew? Hashtag university challenge. And then someone else also tweeted, um, my brother was with Russell Kane in Ibiza partying. Oh, okay. Mm. So clearly some tales from Ibiza that you need to well, share with I us. Started going when I was 18 and could legally go. Uh, we know, sadly, that I'm 46 and I go at least once a year. I'm surprised it's not more than that. I've been three times. The year the year of the single tour of duty with the ladies, I went three times, <laughs> as you can imagine. Bet you did, yeah. So, yeah, I just I just love dance music. Uh, I love dancing. I love house music. I've always loved house music. I loved um, jungle and drum and bass before that, before house really got going in the sort of late 90s. I was at Strawberry Sunday's front of the dance floor till 6 a.m. I just love dancing. I always have done. I've never learned a dance. I've never had dance lessons. The only dance I've ever learned was for Comic Relief where I dressed as Beyonce, which is definitely worth a Google. But that was, I, that's a moment, I just yeah. express myself physically. I'm very physical. Uh, after getting with Lindsay, Lindsay's introduced me to uh, R&B more, which I always I got there through it being sampled in hip hop. But mm. now I now I listen to all the cool like grinding, winding. I've got into British hip hop. I love Jay Huss, uh, uh, Stormzy, Notes, people like that. And now when we go clubbing, we go to a brilliant club called Habitat in Manchester. We were at two weeks ago, and the party just goes off. I'm centre of the dance floor. Everyone's about twenty five. Not many people. And, you know, I am the thin white guy in the middle of the dance. So I put it that way, and I fucking love it. There's no cloakroom. There's no VIP. There's plastic cups of red stripe. I'm still dancing. So all my, there aren't any crazy stories of after parties and girls and hop tubs. You get to Ibiza, you dump your bags, you dance for seven days, you go home. That's it. Like zombies. Yeah, you just absolutely have it. Love it. Yeah. This is another headline here from, from the Daily Star. Uh, and this is a funny one. Uh, Russell Kane spills the beans about Greg James and Rita Ora. Uh, also, the, the, sh the shade on this, the subheading of this article, Rita Ora has been linked to more men than she's had to hit singles, <laughs> which is brutal. Really? Um, but I, I think I remember listening to Greg's show live on the radio. Just, I can't tell if that's dissing how many hit singles she's had or dissing how many dicks she's had. Which is it? It's probably, I'll be more worried. If someone said Russell Kane's been linked to more women than he's had funny jokes, I wouldn't be worried about the women. I'd be worried about the jokes. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, all <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I remember listening to to Greg's show live on the radio when this this incident. Well, I didn't know this was happened. public knowledge. I forgot. I've forgotten this headline. In fact, I'm too scared to even comment because I don't know what's out there. <laughs> I've obviously said something uh, I wasn't supposed to say live. Well, I think you kind of something. confirmed something, and uh, and I just remember yeah. everyone being like, oh, "I don't remember." My I have God. no. I have no memory of confirming that. I shouldn't have done that. That was naughty. <laughs> uh, you know, that was not. That's not common knowledge. I did. I still didn't think that was common knowledge till just now. Well, so it's the go. Daily Star knows. They know everything. Okay, we're going to finish on a YouTube comment um, from your set at Live at the Apollo. Must be tiring being the cameraman for this guy because <laughs> you literally you have so much energy on stage. Like, do yeah. you have to get like fully warmed up for your shows? Are we talking like yes. lunges, supplements, the lot? Well, obviously, we know I'm ongoing biohacking. We know that. I do take a, an experimental nootropic, which is just helps with concentration called aniracetam. Completely legal, just unavailable in the UK. Um, so now and again, it does get seized by customs. If you're listening to Stansted, please release my last batch. All it does, it, it, just, speed, it just speeds up thought association. It's a, it's a herbal right. legal supplement. It doesn't even pass some tests. But in my mind... I'm, 
I turn into, you know, uh, limitless when I take it. Aniracetam, it's called. It's just part of the biohacking program. The main part of it is to eat a very late lunch. So I've got plenty of fuel, but I'm completely empty by the time I hit 7 p.m. If I mm. break those rules, I'm not light enough on my feet. About about 7.15 p.m., drop some aniracetam. Uh, support act goes on at 8. That's when I start brewing the coffee, stretching, just stretching my necks out, jumping up and down, getting my heart rate up. I've got very low resting heart rate, 59, because I do a lot of exercise. Mm. By the time I get on stage, I'm already in fat burn. Before I've like 110 beats per minute stood at the side of the stage. When I hit the stage, I think I did have last night's set, uh, not last night, the night before was 70 minute set. So it was 600 calories. I did average heart rate, 120. But I hit my peak heat heart rate a few times. Now to hit your peak heart rate, you have to sprint for 20 seconds. Mm. But I'm, I get there just rolling around and running up and down with excitement. So I do have to be careful. But the main prep is I would rather than the 20 minutes before I go on, it's the ongoing fitness and stuff I'm doing behind the scenes day on day to make sure that when for example, whenever my next next one is, I don't even know. Oh, hang on, I've got a fucking mental day on Thursday. I've got two big corporates with a limo bike transfer in between where I get off on one, drop the mic, helmet, limo suit, bang, flask of coffee on at the next one. If I haven't got peak fitness, my body, my, my body age needs to stay around about 30 to do what I'm doing. So I get that measured properly. I don't look in the mirror and go, you look 30. I get actually, <laughs> you I look great. Check. I get my DNA checked, my lung age checked. I get it all checked to make to make sure that this shit is not bullshit and that it's working. Otherwise, just get out of breath on stage. Very unattractive yeah. seeing someone do a Lee Evans impression, which is basically what I'm doing, and then getting sort of knackered and get <laughs> at the end of an observation. I don't yeah, really you don't want to look like you're going to keel over, do you? That, yeah. No one wants to watch that and be like, is he is he going to pass out at some point? Is he fine? So I, I, but, eat, I eat well, but I eat food where I don't have to turn it over and read what's on the back of it. I eat plenty of potatoes. I eat plenty mm -hmm. of meat. I eat plenty of butter, plenty of olive oil, plenty of eggs, but I don't eat many things that you have to flip over and go, what's in that? That's basically my diet. Does it have more than six ingredients? In the bin it goes. And I want to try this um, this herbal herbal remedy that you uh, spoke about. And good, yeah. You just take, mm. it's just a speeds up, it's like, um, I would say coffee's stronger. Coffee has mm. more dramatic effect than aniracetam. Aniracetam, if you took it, if I said two sugar pills and two aniracetam, you probably wouldn't be able to tell one day if you'd had one or the other. But if we measured how you did on word association tests, you would do better, but without any noticeable buzz. You would just say, oh, I'm able to associate where it's very, very subtle. Um, but the evidence is that it works. You have to cycle it. You can't take it all the time. You have to have like 10 day breaks at least three times a year. Otherwise, it just loses effect. Like, oh, all okay. drugs. All drugs. Um, that is it. Russell Kane, well done on completing Celebrity Search Engine. Thanks so much. That wasn't for being, too bad um, at all, that. Great. Yeah, thanks so much for being an amazing guest. Not too scary. Uh, before you go, though, um, who would you like to nominate to go through the Celebrity Search Engine experience sometime soon? Someone you think has got some good stuff about them online or somebody that you want to be nosy about? I would love either... I'll try to give very few names to see if you can get Yeah, some. go on, chuck a few of them. John, John Waite, who's just done Strictly. He would be great on here. Steph McGovern, the boss. Oh, like, she's yeah. She's so busy. You won't be able to get hold of her. I tell you, be a fucking good one. Saida Wasi. Baroness Saida Wasi. Oh, yeah. Tory yes. Lord, uh, the good Tory, who I made to with her. She'd be oh, such, that's so a wide selection. She'd have so many interesting things to tell you. What an interesting life she's had. Muslim woman, Tory peer, working class. She's fucking experienced just about everything you can in Britain. Yeah, should be a good one. I nominate right. Saida. It's my final choice. All right, it's on. Thank you so much. No worries. 
Thanks for listening to Celebrity Search Engine today. Hit that subscribe or follow button to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. We have got some amazing guests coming up, so trust me when I say you do not want to miss out. If you're on Apple Podcasts right now, then drop us a review and rating. Five stars, pretty please. That would be much appreciated. And let us know in that review or over on social media who you'd like to see on the podcast next. Russell Kane has gone and nominated Baroness Saida Varsi, but who would you like to know more on? Let us know. We are at Celeb Search Engine over on Instagram. Until next time, everybody, I'm your host, Abby McCarthy. Thanks for using the Celebrity Search Engine. 